0: There are uh, several different sections of scripture that I generally choose from when I'm called to either someone's home or to a hospital to perform uh, one of our rites, which is the commitment of the dying, uh, where we recognize someone is about to be called home and to give them that kind of last piece, if possible, the last bit of the sacrament and a blessing. One of the readings that I choose is Isaiah 43 because it might be one of the best times to hear the very words, I the Lord who created you, I the Lord who formed you, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you and through the rivers, they will not overcome you. You will walk through the fire and you shall not be burned and the flame will not consume you. And it's even more fitting to have a set of verses like that where I use them right at the point of death for somebody to be the exact verses used when we talk about baptism. Uh, This morning we had a a young sister just a, a couple months old, brought to the waters of baptism on the day that is a very important day, a day where we remember Christ being baptized. And we hear of the story of Jesus coming to the waters himself where a voice speaks out from the heavens. But putting those two together, we have to ask ourselves a question of what is it that Jesus' baptism actually has to do with our baptism? What does Jesus' baptism actually have to do with Jesus himself? And to get a kind of the answer that, we have to look at the season that we are in. The season that we are in is epiphany. And um, just for fun, does anybody remember what epiphany means? If you were here this morning, you can't answer. Anybody you want to guess? I actually took another pastor this morning to answer that. Epiphany means to be revealed, to be revealed. So now you know when you say, I have had an epiphany. You've had a revelation. And what in this season is being revealed to us is nothing more than who Jesus actually is. And all these stories that we'll hear throughout this next uh, eight weeks or so are stories revealing Jesus, but pay attention in them. Pay attention to what the actual witnesses are saying in each of these stories. Pay attention to the witness that is being given in Scripture to who Jesus is. Because as you see it, you will hear that Jesus is not only the Son of God and the Son of Man, but Jesus actually has the authority to do what it is he was sent to accomplish. That Jesus has the authority to heal the sick. That Jesus has the authority to teach and preach in ways that none of us, even I myself, am not able to do. That Jesus has the authority to actually raise the dead. So we have revealed to us not only who he is, but the authority that he has come with to do what he was sent to do. Which means any of us who have ever come into contact with Scripture, Any of us who have ever come into contact with the Lord himself has to ask the question of not only who he is, but how could he have such authority to do what scripture says. And that, my friends, can be a heavy question and a heavy thing to contemplate. Today, In our hearing of the gospel, we hear of Christ being spoken about as my beloved Son, the one in whom I am well pleased. A statement that couldn't really be uttered before and really could only be said about Jesus himself. And so in the waters of baptism, we have Jesus coming to the Jordan to do what we could not do. To do a baptism that that we could not have. For John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. So Jesus came to not only carry our sins, but to even carry our repentance for us. To walk into the waters ahead of us. To do something that we could not do. What a humbling thing he had to do. What a humbling thing. Jesus himself took on, to be God himself, to lay it all aside, not only to take on our flesh as we talked about on Christmas, but to also submit himself to a baptism of repentance by someone who was a prophet, one who even said, I am not fit to tie his sandals, but I baptize you in that repentance. What a humbling thing he must have done. That in itself is a crazy idea to think about, where we are pretty used to thinking of Jesus and God in such a high and mighty way. But we've also come kind of used to the fact that our Lord came in such a humble estate. I was struck by this this past year when I, when I went uh, for two weeks to visit India. And the driver that I had uh, during that time was, was a devout Hindu. and. Uh, he knew I was a pastor, and that, that made him feel like we would be extra blessed during our trip, I guess. But he was open to a lot of my questions that I had to ask him, and, and he was always willing to answer and even to, to take me to see different sites that he would not others. And um, What I started to learn a lot from him as, as a personal uh, devotee to Hinduism was just how the relationship between the gods really worked. That the gods themselves, they they may have been friends, but frenemies would probably be a better word. But Hinduism rested, and the gods rested on the fact that they could show show their power and their strength. That their might was somehow uh, connected to the way that they could win battles, either with other gods or their devoted followers could win battles on their behalf. And so we knew this God was more powerful because this God beat and exerted power over this God. And we knew this God was more powerful than that God because his devoted followers were able to beat back the Muslims at this point in time. And the entire religion was built on that, on that uh, very basic human instinct of strength and power. But what is being revealed to us in Epiphany is the exact opposite about our God. Is that whatever strength he had as God himself, he laid aside. Not not as some sort of triumphal thing, but as a victory for us, not even for himself. When I was younger, I, I recognized that I came from a, um, I guess, a pretty Irish family in a way. We were very emotional people. And that's generally how we, we make a lot of our decisions, with the last name of Malone. And I tried to rebel against this and tried to grow in strength as, as I got older. And the way I tried to show my strength was actually trying to beat back a lot of the emotions that I had. Because I felt that if I could master somehow the emotions of this world, if I could find the trick and show my strength in being able to master these emotions and master all that the world could throw at me with them, that maybe, maybe I could show the world who I really am. But in Epiphany, we learn that's not really who the Lord is he is one who actually entered into a world of our emotions to so subject himself to feel the pains of hunger feel the pains of fear to experience what it is we experience to take on what we could not And so in the baptism that Jesus receives He goes into it to do what we could not. He could go into a baptism of repentance because we are very much like Israel. Every time we are called back to the Lord, we would turn once again and go to the ways in which we were before, finding ourselves in the exact same situation that we once were. Do I have this specific habit? Then I will be there tomorrow. Has that addiction ever haunted me? Then I will be with it once again. So he did my repentant baptism for me, and he gave me something different. He gave me a baptism in him. For I was not baptized in John, I have not been baptized in the waters of the Jordan, but I have been baptized into Christ. I've been baptized into one who came to do what I could not do. The one who could humble himself to experience what I experience and to face what I fear that I cannot face. We have been baptized into Christ. We have been baptized into the one who came to do what we cannot do. We in our baptism, like Israel, were removed from the desert where there were the snakes and the scorpions, the heat and the... the, Uh, uh, dehydration of our journey and brought through the waters into the land of milk and honey because we have been moved in our baptism from death to life. And so we hear the words that uh, that is said in the first chapter of Genesis as it says in the King James Version that the Lord seeing the waters he called forth abundantly the living creatures in those waters to new life. And so in our waters of baptism, we have heard that same thing said. Standing over us, God calling us to a life abundantly out of those waters. So we have this new life. We have the promises that the Lord has given. We have been given those exact same statements that were spoken to Israel so long ago out of Isaiah 43. That we are ones who have been created. We are ones who have been formed. We are ones who can hear the statement, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. So no longer are we fearful to look at the sins that we have. No longer are we fearful to recognize who we actually are that stops us from that repentant baptism. No longer are we afraid, as Israel was, to walk away from the sins that we had once had. But we were called to something new and into a new water and into a new life. We've been called out of those waters into a life of abundance, a life marked with forgiveness, a life where we bear the name of Jesus. Because that is who we've been baptized into. The one who came. The one who is the son of God. But the one who also had the authority to do what he was sent to do. The only one who can heal the sick that way. To make the lame walk, the blind see, and to bring the dead to life. So countless times I've spoken these words over those who are about to breathe their last. But the truth was there for them and it is there for you now. That you are one who has been formed. You are one who has been made. And now you are one who has been redeemed. You are one who is called into this life. That wherever you go now, this name goes with you. Out into the deserts of your own life to beat back the very sin you may be fearful of. Out into the pastures, in the green places, the times of your joy, and the times in which you are able to celebrate. There, his name is with you also. The times that you have to walk through fire. But for, for now, and with his name, we have no reason to fear. But we can actually rest in his promises. Because Jesus came to do what we cannot. And in this baptism, he has given us something to face all of those times. The very spirit that hovered over the waters. The very one that descended on him like a dove. And the one that has come to stay with you for all your time. And to bring you to the day in which you are able to see him face to face. So let us go forth, being sent out from here into the various places that we need to go knowing that he goes with us, knowing that he has formed us and made us, and he is the one that we've been baptized into. Amen? Amen.